Everybody, welcome to the awesome NFL strategy show matchups edition presented by none other than prize picks. I'm Dave Lochran coming at you with another edition of this wonderful show. One might call it the marathon matchup show. Very possible. Appreciate all you guys hanging out with us each and every day and especially every Thursday as we break down the full slate and give you your one-stop shop for all the information you need going into the Sunday main slate. So Hit me up, Lafay underscore D. It's L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D for those of you podcast listeners. And, of course, head over there. And while you're there, hit up my man at Draftaholic, Matt Savoka, doing it back one more time. We missed last week, and that was actually my fault, Matt. Yeah, no, don't worry about it. It's a crazy week. We basically jam in two main slates into one week while all trying to take a day off. So for us content creators, it's wild. But from a football standpoint, pretty great. Back from that turkey hangover, really excited to break it down. Letting this slate, this kind of weird slate with not a lot of high totals, wash over us this Thursday. I'm excited to get into it. Me too. I'll tell you, I, so every Thursday I have the strategy show in the morning. If you, if you're looking for Thursday, uh, Thursday night football content, Matt Kajeski and I got you covered. You can find that right on the homepage. We just got done that like an hour ago. Uh, and then I do this an hour later. So that one finished up a little bit late and then I got to make the run sheet for this. And I get, this is last week, Matt, I get like almost all the way through it, maybe five, 10 minutes to go. And I just start feeling insanely nauseous, just real sick, not going well for me. Okay. And I get done the show thinking I'm going to pass out at this point, or things are just going to start getting ugly. I just lay down for a minute. I'm like, all right, I'll be okay. It just never got any better. So I'm better now. I was better later that day. As a matter of fact, just ripped off a few huge dumps, Matt. And we were back to normal. (laughs) I just so really you got whatever you had in the last 12 to 15 hours uh, in put in your body then to blame. You know what? I, I we, hadn't eaten anything that day. Should so we I, food I think log it, it? Should we break it down? <clears throat> really nothing? Nothing. I take these vitamins and I take these things. It's called uh, Alpha Brain, right? Uh, by, uh, I don't know. I got it off of InfoWar. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> It's by, uh, I, I forget what it is, but it, it's got good reviews. One of those like nootropics and I, I got an, and, and it's, it's helped me a lot. My recall memory was jacked up for many, many years of doing things that most people aren't supposed to do. So it was starting to bother me, right? I'm like, I'm 34 years old. Something's got to change. Started taking this stuff and it didn't work at first. A month into it, Matt, everything was back to it was when I was like 15. Felt great. Okay. But then I got a new bottle of this. It's an auto ship from Amazon. And it was the first day I took it. And if you take it on an empty stomach, things can go bad. Uh, yeah. So oh, I think okay. that's what it was. But then I took him again right. and I was fine. Full stomach. That's the, that's the key. So made a mistake. We're back, though. And <laughs> you guys didn't need to hear all that. But here we are. And <laughs> that's what you get with this. I'm show. glad so, we all know. I'm glad we broke it down. Yeah, exactly. No, Matt, the Wawa hot dog didn't kill me. Uh, Matt Riley. I was coming home from hockey the other day, though. I had a 9.30 game, playoff game. It's like 11.20. I stop at Wawa. I'm either going gobbler, might go an Italian hoagie, toast the roll. Uh, uh, but I was like, you know, you guys get any hot dogs? 
it's late, but Wawa is not like 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven hot dogs at 11.30 might kill you, you know? The go-go taquitos, <laughs> they're, sh- they're shriveled up. If you're drunk enough, you'll eat them, but you don't want them. I've been there. I've been there. Two exactly. in the morning. Absolutely. I've been oh, there. Yeah. yeah. And they're gross, but at the same time, it's not bad at 1 a.m. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Wawa hot dogs are legit. And they're like, it'll take 10 minutes. I said no, but zero point to that story you ready to talk some football (laughs) no i think we should break down these wawa adventures a little bit more i will (laughs) let's do it let's i i will i absolutely will if you'd like no we let's 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 continue forward because we got a lot of games to hit on let's kick it off oh hit that thumbs up too you haven't done so yet i know a lot of you guys watch this show after the fact right would be it late thursday friday saturday maybe even sunday morning Leave a comment down below. Matt and I read them. We'll hit you back up if you have any questions or comments, whatever it is. Uh, and if you're watching live or after the fact, hit that thumbs up. It helps us greatly combat that YouTube overlords that are, you know, just hovering above our heads. Un- the, the invisible, but present. And well, subscribe to the channel as well. Help us get to 70K. Appreciate you guys in advance. All right, Indy, oh no, I'm sorry, Tampa and Atlanta. We're going highest total from the 1 p.m.s to highest total on the 4 p.m.s. No Antonio Brown. He's expected to miss at least the next couple of weeks. But Gronk, Matt, tight end two in the games that he has played this season. He's been phenomenal. Chris uh, Godwin, Mike Evans coming off bad games because Leonard Fournette accounted for almost every touchdown. And the one he didn't account for was Ronald Jones. It just so happened that they scored 38 points, got to the goal line quite a bit. And things didn't go the way you needed if you stacked them. But they've got the Falcons this week. Highest implied total on the slate. 50 and a half point total. 11 point favorites on the road. How's that for a setup? This team is in a really good spot coming into week 13. Yeah, on paper, they look like they're going to demolish the Falcons. And, you know, the Falcons have kind of climbed up into this weird contention in the terrible middle part of the NFC this year. So they're five and six. They're playing for something here, but they've already played once this season, and we've seen Tampa Bay destroy them. Not to say it's impossible that Atlanta keeps this close, but at least the way we are looking at things, how can Tampa Bay fail? If it feels like Tampa Bay scores a lot of points and a lot of fantasy points, you would be absolutely correct. They're leading the league in team cumulative fantasy points per game and over the season they're leading in uh, team expected fantasy points per game so in fantasy football where volume is king we're looking for a lot of volume and we're looking for efficiency on that volume we don't necessarily know where that efficiency is going to come from but in this offense you can almost guarantee that one if not more of these players are going to pop off so i like all of leonard fournette mike evans chris godwin and you said it gronk no longer just a fish play and a name play only there are not a lot of tight ends this year who are getting somewhere in the eight to ten target range like he has since he came back not to say he could you know fall down in that target totem pole in a certain game here but it's just nothing to scoff at. He has three eight-target games in his six games played this year. I know. Dude, he's been very good. And his last two games, he's been pretty good, too. And both of them, he didn't score. I'm with yeah, you. I'm, Go ahead. He looks like Gronk of old, is all I was going to say. And he's got Brady at quarterback, man. I, I, come on. The, when they faced Atlanta earlier in the year, they did smoke them. But it was actually, at one point, Atlanta narrowed it to a one-possession game, and then Ryan got pick six. Remember those? 
twice. Double pick six, right? Twice. Yeah. 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 Cause mm-hmm. I had, I had Atlanta in a teaser at like plus 14 and a half. I said, that's a good number. Get it above 14. We're golden. All I needed was that for them to, or no, I had them at 17, sorry, plus 17 and a half. Cause the spread was so big. And it was, it was just cruise. Just don't get pick six. Cause it was at the end of the game. He got pick six and they lost by, I don't know, 18 or 19, whatever. That's yeah. why I remember that. But Tom Brady was the QB three that week. Gronk was the tight end two. Mike Evans was the wide receiver five. Um, Godwin wasn't great, but he still had like 17 fantasy points. You get where I'm going here. It, Mm-hmm. And I'm with you 100%. You don't know where this production is going to come from. Last week being a perfect example of all of that. It went to Leonard Fournette and he had a monster performance. But ultimately, so many of these guys have the ability to put up big games. Eric talked about something interesting on the ownership show with Matt Kajewski and myself yesterday that he's kind of getting away from going one-offs with Tampa if you're not in game stacks as a run back or you're stacking with Brady. Where do you stand on that this week? Like, are you willing to take shots on one-offs and kind of just spray around this team and hope that one of these guys pops off? Well, it certainly matters what kind of contest you're playing, how many lineups you're playing. But I was just thinking about it as I was, you know, as as I continued to dig into the stats here. If you fade this game entirely and you're playing something like one to three lineups, you better have a good reason and a good narrative for what Atlanta does here. I'm not really picky with a team that has this much distributed expected fantasy points and this much production week to week. So I'll play it in stacks. I'll play it. I played it in large stacks and been successful and I don't mind doing one-offs either. Again, it is context specific and contest specific, but this much volume, I'm just going to play it. I think so too. Uh, Clayton said, you can talk about anything now without the thumbs down. Yeah, Matt, they removed the thumbs down feature. Well, that's there, but not the counter. Yeah, I'm just. Yeah, there there are definitely ways. If you want to get the dislikes of a video out there, there are ways to find that out still. Sure, sure. But I'm just going to become insufferable now if I wasn't already. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There's just no repercussion. That's the problem. You know how many channels are just going to go downhill because they're like, all right, I could do this and that, and no one sees it. And then they're gone, defunct within a mm-hmm. week. Do you like the run game? For me, I, Leonard Fournette, I, there's too many good running back options above him, around him, beneath him, that his price point to me seems it seems too steep, but I don't know where you're at. I was surprised to see it that high. And then I was really surprised to see our projections in line with salary-based expectations. Go ahead and drink if you're playing at home. And (laughs) at this point, you know, I think that we're seeing ownership climb up. So I'd rather play Fournette if most people are off of him like like last week. So it's a less appealing play, but that doesn't mean it can't happen. And it's the same exact argument we made for the passing game here. Brady can still contribute to five touchdown scoring drives and not pass on all of them like he did uh, the last time these two played. So there's ultimately going to be uh, variance from week to week with this team, but that doesn't mean the same player can't hit twice. I'm not going away from Fournette. It's uh, it's not point chasing to go back either. Uh, 
I mean, Madison's pulling less ownership right now. There's a guy that's going to get like 25 carries and targets against Detroit. I'm just, I'm having a tough time with it. I, I, I am. I, I get what you're saying. And what you're saying is in line with our projections as well. He's getting ownership, he, but. He's third on the slate in expected fantasy points. 20.1 DraftKings expected fantasy points over his last five games played. Yeah. Yeah, but like. 11 carries, 10 carries, 17, 8, 15. He's getting the workload in the passing game, which is really beneficial. But Madison's going to as well, and he's probably going to get 25 carries. I don't know. I, I just I think there's so many mouths to feed that this is a spot that I'd be okay with not getting to as much. But it is a good spot. They do have the highest implied total. I get all of that. Do you like anything for Atlanta? I like the fact that they're playing Tampa Bay and they're probably going to need to pass. There are so many expected fantasy points models that are telling us that Kyle Pitts should be hitting more often than he is. I can't tell you when he is. Obviously, he would benefit greatly from having a wide receiver like Calvin Ridley on the outside. We know that that offense is not at full strength right now without him. But Kyle Pitts still has a tight end two projection, so you can play him at 5,600 on DraftKings. And, you know, his ownership's below 9%. It's not something where I have to get to him, but he's a great runback option. He's not that expensive. And, you know, compared to salary-based expectations, he definitely looks better than Cordero Patterson. Though, you know, if you watch the Falcons play for any amount of time, Patterson is by far the most electric player on the field. Did you see he's listed on the depth chart now as a safety for some packages? Really? Yeah. I did not. No. <laughs> and he has, he has played already snaps on defense. How many? A lot? Uh, a, cup, a couple. Uh, no, like you can count them on one hand. That's crazy. How is it that this guy, he's been in the league for what? This is his like ninth year. Yeah, yeah I think 2013 year. draft. Yeah, yep. And finally, a team has decided that they're going to utilize him, and it ends up being the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know. Maybe it, Arthur yeah. Smith isn't as bad as everyone's making him out to be. Who knows? Yeah, and he's working with a limited supply. Again, high total, playing against an elite offense on the other side. Matt Ryan might have two straight pick sixes in the process of trying to come back as we saw last time these two teams played, but they're probably going to be in a pass-heavy game script, and that means we can play them. If you want to get real weird and do a Falcon stack, I don't really love that. Our top stacks to them is the 13th best value, so that doesn't look strong, but I don't hate it as a run-back option. All right. I'll be honest with you. I, I kind of hate Patterson's price point again uh, as well, both of them in this game. It's like... I. I understand that ownership plays a role here. So keep that in mind. And our ownership projections, they're always going to be in flux as news comes in, as projections adjust, all of that stuff throughout the week, right? Like, I don't think McKissick plays. He's not practicing. And then you get an Antonio Gibson at 5,700, who was targeted a bunch last game, will be the primary pass catching back, already the primary red zone goal line back, getting probably 90% of touches out of the backfield. That's just one guy that we're talking about here, and he's a lot cheaper. So we'll get to all of those, Matt. Uh, but, yeah, these the, the two running backs to me, unless ownership changes dramatically, 
I'll probably not be particularly high on. And with Patterson against this stout defense on the ground in Tampa Bay, am I paying 7K to rely on him to do mostly everything through the air? It's definitely possible. It scares me. I, Atlanta's been a very difficult team to target, man. No, they Outside have. They've been, right. And that's the thing is he's been efficient on middling volume all season. So you're basically betting against that efficiency that he keeps showing us over and over again. I get it. On paper, expected fantasy points, RB15. Ownership projection right now, RB13. His projection on our, you know, on our running back rankings, RB13. So RB7 in salary where he is on DraftKings feels really steep, but that's going to keep ownership down, making him a solid tournament play. Sure. And to be fair, I'm not betting against efficiency. I'm betting on volume plus potential efficiency for some of these other guys, if that, if you know what I mean. Totally, totally. Yeah. Hey, anything? Actually, no. Well, let, let's keep moving. We got some good games to talk about here. Uh, Chargers and Cincinnati. 50 and a half point total here as well. Chargers getting a field goal on the road coming off a game where you got to give it to Herbert. They scored what 13 points and he still had a huge performance. Like he just turns them out left and right. Guy's been phenomenal from a DFS perspective. I've been waiting to ask you about this. I asked Ben and Jordan Vanek on Tuesday. I asked Matt and, and Eric yesterday. I have my own opinions on this as well, but Herbert is, if we're using DraftKings pricing here, Herbert's 6,700. That to me is a spectacular price point. But then you look at someone like Keenan Allen and Keenan Allen's one of the highest priced receivers this week. He's been very good target uh, to market target share is insanely high, but he hasn't really popped off for those huge games yet. What do we do with the Herbert and the Chargers stack in a spot like this, assuming you're getting there? Because 6,700 is objectively too cheap for Herbert. No, I love it. I, I'm seeing this the exact same way, honestly, when two players have the volume and efficiency that matches with their salary, then why wouldn't they be a solid stack? And then you have the top stacks tools that validates that for us. They're fourth in the value rankings right now, which is plenty good to play them. You know, ownership is going to sort itself out as we get closer to Sunday here, but I'm seeing limited ownership for Herbert. Maybe there are other options in that salary point on DraftKings 6,700 where they just want to spend that, salary elsewhere but i think it's really just about it being a spread out week for the court for quarterback ownership in general i think this is a great game to stack there are so many options on cincinnati whereas on the los angeles side we know that the passing game is going to be al excuse me allen then some combination of Eckler and Williams, and it's been leaning Eckler's way for most of the second half of the season. So when you have confidence there in the way that the target distribution goes, that's a great stack, especially if you're playing one or three lineups. Then you could, if you play more lineups, you can then mix and match these excellent options on the other side, on the Cincinnati side, in this super high total game. I've actually seen this game go higher in Vegas total than the Tampa Bay Atlanta game. So I think this is a really solid game to stack up players from. Matt, a ton of talk about IHOP and, and Waffle House. Do you have them around you? I have a, a little bit of IHOP. I don't have a Waffle House in New York. Sorry, man. I don't have fam. them around here either. If you yeah, could pick one place, it could, it could be a place like that or fast food. Snap answer. What would it be? Number one place you go to. You're on death row and they go, sorry. No steak and potatoes from, uh, you know, Ruth Chris, but we'll take you to any fast food restaurant you want. What would it be? In-N-Out. Okay. 
You don't have them either. I, I know, I know, but I maybe it's because it got hyped up for me. But usually when those things get hyped up, I I'm always let down. Like, okay, it's a burger. In and out, it's a burger, delicious, right? Dude. It's delicious. But it's it's really great. It, um, where, what about you guys? I'm probably going to Chick Fil A. I'm a Chick Fil A truther, Matt. Give me a Chick Fil A sandwich, pepper jack cheese, waffle fries. Give me a twelve piece, Ooh. five packets of Polynesian, and one of those four thousand calorie milkshakes. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh my goodness! All right. I'm- like there are a lot of great options totally here. Right. I want to see yeah. the chat blow up with some good answers. I know. Shake Shack's, Shake Shack's a great, a great answer. One. I don't have those around. Actually, we have one, but it's like it's, it's a little far in and out. Yeah, the, there's some good ones. There's some really good answers to this for sure. Jordan, what's your answer? In and out. Okay. You're gonna get a lot of that, I think. I'm starving. I'm going somewhere after. I haven't eaten today, Matt. I'm going somewhere after. Here. Maybe I'll maybe I'll take the trip to Chick-fil-A. I think I'm gonna, matter of fact. Bring back something for the wife when she gets home from work. She won't hate me for a day. <laughs> It'll be a good one. Wow. Be a good one. Yeah. Hey, you want to hear um, the, you want to hear the, the the privileged life I live as a college freshman. We had a Chick-fil-A in the dorm. In the and dorm. I in the dorm. Wow. Coffee. And okay. That is that is the time to That's have Chick Fil A that available. That is solid. It's like I always wanted to have the remember the movie Richie Rich. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, you go down there. He's got his own zip code. Yeah, he's got the McDonald's downstairs. Of course, the giant gumball machine. Right, you remember the gumball mm-hmm. machine? Oh, that'd be sick. We had one. I went to IUP for like half a semester. And we had one in the cafeteria. Then I went to Temple years later after you got everything out of my system. But yeah, we had one there. I feel like they're never the same, though. Like the mall Chick-fil-A's, mm-hmm. the college Chick-fil-A's, they're never really the same as the real standalone Chick-fil-A's. Just my opinion. I think I think you might be right. Chick-fil-A Express. Just might be on, yeah, see what I mean? Might be on to something. Although the NFL <laughs> Express Pass at Awesome is very good. Less than $5 a week. Hey, if I'm looking at Chargers and Cincinnati, right? I know that he's expensive now, but Joe Mixon's been an, a stud. And the Chargers' run defense is bad. I mean, they are bad right now, Matt. They're allowing 4.8 yards per attempt. They're almost at five yards per attempt, and we're we're nearing the end of the season right now. No team's allowing more rushing yards per game than them. And this isn't like a Jets or a Jaguars that have no offense to speak of. This is a team that has a potent, powerful offense, and they still allow the most rushing yards per game. So when you put that in context, they're really bad. Mixon's getting a boatload of work. It's laughable to think that people were worried about Samaje Pirine five weeks ago. And he's getting all the goal line work, still a decent amount of pass catching opportunities. If this game stays close, and I don't see why it wouldn't, Cincinnati's favored at home. Mixon might get another 30 touches. Absolutely no problem going back to the well with Joe Mixon. Obviously had a great game last week. Uh, I I actually called him out on live before Locke as my 100 yards and a touchdown. Locke had that in the second quarter. Didn't know it was going to go that well. But yeah, everything lines up here. Expected fantasy points, fourth among running backs on the slate. 
8.1K on DraftKings, that's third among running backs. That's fine. That's fine. And it's probably going to be high enough where the ownership doesn't get crazy high, even though it looks like an awesome spot. I'm seeing everything you're seeing with this Los Angeles defense, which, by the way, isn't a bad defense at all. In fact, it's one of the better defenses in the NFL. It just sells out to stop the pass very, very aggressively. That's fine in most cases. Obviously, doesn't always work out. But in this case, where they are going to have their hands full in the secondary with solid receiving options in Cincinnati, Joe Mixon is going to get plenty of work. In schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed, the Chargers are actually seventh worst in the NFL. So uh, there's a lot to like here. There's a lot to like about this whole offense, especially if you're going to if you're going to do a skinny stack of Keenan Allen and Justin Herbert, then bring it back on the other side with two Bengals. Absolutely. If you yeah, can I love it. this whole game. I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, last question on this one. Any interest in, in Mike Williams? He's He's been very hit or miss. I mean, this is one of those guys where you just have to embrace the, the volatility with him. But there's, mm-hmm. still, there's still upside there if some of those deep balls connect. It's just how much of him do we want? Right. I look at things typically for wide receivers on a six-week sample size. I'm obviously looking at longer sample sizes as well. So I'm aware that Mike Williams had a really strong, really efficient start to the 2021 season. But if you narrow it down to the last six weeks, he's wide receiver 33 among players who are going to be active on this slate uh, in expected fantasy points. So even 5,700 on DraftKings, wide receiver 20, that feels really, really steep for a player who has not been efficient, basically at zero fantasy points versus expectation during that same span. But, you know, the awesome projections have him right there at wide receiver, I believe, 17 right now in our latest run of projections. He's playable. It doesn't look great on paper, but we know what he's capable of. He's still getting goal line works, and his ownership is creeping well below 7%. It might might actually get below 6%. So he's a solid tournament option. No doubt. In this game environment, for sure. Uh, Yosef says jack-in-the-box tacos at 2 in the morning hit different. Yeah, you'd be be shitting all day. That's how they hit different. Uh, Jack-in-the-box, every time I ate that. I lived out in California for a bit, in Arizona and Phoenix for a bit when I was younger. Every time I ate jack-in-the-box, I felt like I just ingested poison right away, Matt. Gross. I, I've only Gross. had Jack in the Box while drunk, so I think that that affects my opinion. It's always been great to me. Yeah, just filthy, heinous food for that place. It is disgusting, and I will eat mostly anything. I mean, I I am not discriminatory when it comes to fast food. Maybe maybe they've changed their game up, but the one I was going to, <laughs> just gross. Do you think? Uh, do you think Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd? Or T. Higgins are, if you were to order them, who do you like best to lease from ownership and a salary standpoint? I actually really like getting up to Chase because Chase has underperformed expectations for a while. We know if you look at a 10-game scale for him, his numbers look crazy good in terms of expected fantasy points. He's still right at his salary base. His 17.3 DraftKings expected fantasy points, that's fifth among all wide receivers on the slate. So he's been performing well under that. I think he's a positive regression candidate. We just went into why Los Angeles is a tougher defense against the pass, but that certainly mean doesn't mean that these players can't hit here. The best value option, I think our projections point that as T. Higgins, but my favorite tournament play is still Chase here. 
Minnesota, Detroit, Alexander Madison, man. You got and Jordan, by the way, all of these injury updates I have in the run sheet. We want to throw some of them up there for these gate for certain games. Dalvin Cook's expected to miss uh, at least two weeks. He's not officially ruled out yet, but the guy is not playing this week. Madison in the four games that he started career for Cook. And a lot of people say, oh, he's only started four games. Yeah, surprising, huh? Two that Dalvin Cook missed. Uh, Alexander Madison was also out. So that makes a little bit more sense. But uh, he was very good in three of them. The one game he stunk in was actually against Atlanta, which was surprising. They fell behind early and it got out of control. But he faced Detroit earlier this season, Matt, and went absolutely nuclear against them. Had a receiving touchdown. They've coughed up seven receiving touchdowns to running backs on the season. Six for eight in the, or I'm sorry, uh, seven for seven in the passing game. 25 for 113 on the ground. An insane amount of workload for him. 26 carries and eight targets in two games before that with Dalvin Cook out. I just have such a tough time ignoring the volume, even though they've jacked his price up. I don't see anything wrong with this. Like we have him projected, at least we did last I looked, we had him projected as the number two uh, running back on the slate. Yeah, we do in our projections right now. There's really nothing to dislike here. Such a good matchup. Favorites, maybe if they were at home, it would be even nicer, but that's ultimately a wash here. The possibility of something other than what happened last time these two plays these last last two times these two teams played is always possible here, but I don't, I don't see it. I see Alexander Madison rushing all over the Detroit defense. And the only reason you might not play him is because you're prioritizing the running back on the other side on Detroit here. Cause it looks like we got another free square, but yeah, if you look at projection versus salary, this is one of the easiest layups of the entire slate. This is a Madison week. He could fail. Obviously any player can fail in any spot, but I'm going to have a ton of him. What are you doing with the pass catchers? I mean, I'll play him. Justin Jefferson is one of those players who, if you just list players who can have 30 points in any given spot, he's just going to be on that list for me. And so his wide receiver two projection is good enough, even though his 8,200 salary, that gets pretty steep, man. He's still he's still pretty good if you look at expected fantasy points, 16.1 per game over the last six weeks. That's seventh. But it's really the fact that he's been efficient on that really, really solid volume. 2.6 fantasy points over expectation. That just tells me he's probably just a really good player, which is the same I say about Thielen. I know I've said it on this show before. His projection versus salary never makes sense, and yet he's capable of scoring two or more times in any game. We saw it last week. It could happen here against Detroit with a 26 and a half uh, implied total. I like this whole passing attack and you don't even need to play Kirk Cousins. He's been pretty good over the last six weeks, but middling 14th in expected fantasy points. Our projection doesn't actually like him compared to his QB seven salary. So I like the, the skill players better than I actually like stacking it. Yeah, I, I I agree. I'll say this much. And we had a question about this from uh, from Jeremy. He said, Cousins solid leverage off of Madison. I would say yes if Madison just gets steamed throughout the week. Like if Madison's ownership just continues to increase, which I do think is entirely possible, by the way, and he becomes you know one of, if not the chalkiest back for week 13, then yeah, it's definitely possible. The 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 problem is that Detroit actually has the fourth highest uh, uh, matchup adjusted run play percentage. So 
they're actually trying to run the football if they can. And Eric had a great follow-up question after. Said, "Do you think the Minnesota-Detroit game will be a game without a lot of plays and a lot of running on both sides?" Well, I wouldn't say without a lot of plays. No, I mean if you're if you're running, sure the clock runs, but it's hard to predict. But I do yeah. think that both of these teams will want to run. And Detroit has lost or tied, but each of their last three games have been decided by three or fewer points. And I think it was Mike Campbell on yesterday's show in chat said they're seven and four against the spread this season. Yeah, Detroit. They're big dogs at home, but it's not like this game can't stay close. They should have beat Minnesota earlier this season too, Matt. So I could see this game absolutely being competitive. And could I see these guys going off? Yes, but I'm with you. I think it makes more sense to target the skill players than to lean on Kirk Cousins um, because you could probably still get a lot of quality out of that. And there's also a couple cheaper quarterbacks that we can get to with decent stacking. So that's a long way of saying I'm with you, but I wouldn't be surprised you know, if they end up having to throw more just because football's crazy. <laughs> right. Right. I guess the other thing here is that you, when you look at pace of play and you look at shootout potential, obviously higher pace matters and more passing matters. We want those things. Those are indicators of a shootout. But chunk plays can happen from just good football players making good plays. And when you have Adam Thielen and you have Justin Jefferson on your team, you're capable of making that happen and forcing the opposing offense, even if they don't have a lot of talent, to do things on offense that they may not want to do, like pass more, like play faster, thus creating a shootout where when you look at the metrics, both of these teams look kind of run heavy and kind of slow. That doesn't mean they're... There's a guarantee that there aren't points here. The total's still pretty high. Yeah, man. Yeah, and of course, the White Castle real deal is better than the Frozen, but I've never had them. All the ones around me shut down, man. It's a, it's like one of those things in my life that I've really missed <laughs> out on. Jordan's shaking his head. Now, White Castle's gross, like the real one? Really? The real one? Damn. I, I had an insane experience the last time I went to White Castle. It was it was a, a little while ago, but there's a couple still in New York, and it was not late, maybe nine or ten. We were grabbing it to go home, watch some movies, and the person behind the counter was uh, acting like nothing was wrong while actively bleeding from the eye. Stop it! I, I've never seen anything like it in my life. That's awesome. There are signs everywhere that says no sleeping because apparently there's like a large amount of people that come in and munchy out and then pass out. So it's pretty, it's a wild experience. It makes me upset. I haven't been to the castle, see some (laughs) stuff like that. The one thing crazy thing I saw was I was at a McDonald's in ocean city, New Jersey, and a dude runs in and screams, don't worry. I'm a professional and steals the uh, like donation tip jar and just runs out. Don't worry. I'm a professional just bounced with like, $20 $20 and change in a couple singles. Yeah. Wow. Life gets wild. Jerk. <laughs> I know. What an asshole, right? He was a professional, though. I feel like Jamal Williams benefits so greatly from Swift being out, not just because Swift's out and he's the main guy, but because Jamal Williams is already averaging around 13 touches per or 13 looks per game. But now you factor in that Swift is the number two pass catcher, number two targeted player, second most receptions on this team behind only TJ Hawkinson. When you take him out of the offense, one that has targeted the running backs quite a bit, not saying that Williams will have that same amount of volume because he's not Swift in the passing game, but we've seen in Green Bay, he's still decent. 
it, it feels like he's going to be on the field a lot this week, Matt. Oh, yeah. He's definitely going to going to play a huge snap share in this game. And it's funny, I was, you know, the fact that Aaron Jones in the last few weeks had been injured, it almost felt like the same exact thing where the backup running back in Detroit is almost a better play because there isn't anyone behind him that we have to be concerned about. It's almost like uh, Jamal Williams is bad A.J. Dillon. And then I realized that that's exactly what the Green Bay Packers said last offseason when they let him walk. Jamal Williams is bad, A.J. Dillon. So when you're talking about running back 18 in salary, 5,400 on DraftKings, it's just all, all systems go. Just go. Just play him. You are There are options where you can strategically fade him, but he is a top five projection among all running backs on this slate in our latest run of projections. And so I'm fine with the ownership starting to creep up to that 20% mark, which is really the highest we really ever see on a main slate in the NFL. Obviously in large field tournaments, it might make sense to move away here, but I just see nothing wrong with just taking the volume, which matters so much for fantasy football. Uh, I don't really care if he even gets a huge amount of passing game work. I think he's going to have 20 total touches in this game. And so at RB 18, I'll take it. It's hard to get away from it. The only different, the only thing is there's going to be so many good backs. Like Antonio Gibson is wildly underpriced, especially if McKissick is out uh, in another potential shootout game. James Connors in there as well. So we'll see where, we'll see where ownership settles in at, but he's, he's getting a decent amount right now. I mean, if you're projecting him I mean, for touches, how many touches are you projecting him for Jamal Williams? I think he's going to have 20 touches. Me too. At 5,400. Yeah. He had 20 last week on a 67% snap share. I think that's very reasonable. Ran 15 routes, was targeted on five. They want to run too. They want to run the football. So we'll see. Gibson might have 30 touches, but, you know, play both. Yeah, I know know that Godwin Igwebuke has had some, some nice runs. And Jamar Jefferson currently in our projections. I know he's been hurt. So there is a little bit of talent that could theoretically steal touches from Williams. But usually when I see this big of a discrepancy in our projections versus salary, I have to have a really good reason to fade the player. Yeah. I don't need a good reason to fade anyone else from Detroit, though. That's a good That's a good way of putting it. I'll play Hawkinson just because of the talent in tournaments. But you don't have to. Yeah. It's not a must uh, must play at all, and that's why you're seeing ownership stay around five percent right now. Someone said, "Talk about Josh Reynolds." Nah, it- <laughs> I'm happy for him. I mean, he looks like he's going to be much more valued part of this offense, and they need a deep threat. They need any semblance of talent in the wide receiver core. So he may ultimately be the best player in the wide receiver core at this time. So you can play him at 3,400. I just think it's as volatile as any 3,400 wide receiver you're going to play still in this Detroit offense. The problem is we talked about him last. I talked about Reynolds last week, uh, but that was a three-game Thanksgiving slate. This is a lot different. This is an 11-game slate. So uh, you want to play him, that's fine. But he's on a team with a horrible passing offense and not a good quarterback, very little touchdown equity. Um, I'm good on that. But I am interested in prize picks and i'm interested to see where you're going with prize picks today very awesome site everybody out there that plays it ends up loving it because you don't need to put in the same amount of research you do at all these other sites but all the research that you put into those sites you can use at prize picks 
especially given the fact that at Odd Shopper, all of our projections are free. We give you the expected win rate on every bet. All you have to do is sort by it uh, and use that as a free tool, the best one out there, the best projections you're going to find to find great spots on prize picks. You know, compare them against traditional books. I'll give you a perfect example when Matt gives you his pick of one that just <clears throat> is a clear good option that we can talk about for tonight. But it's player prop based contests. All you do is pick two, three, four, or five player props. There's no juice on the over or the under. So you're just picking them over or under, putting them in a two, three, two through five player lineup. If you hit all five, you can 10X your, 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 your money. If you hit four, you can still 2X it. Uh, you even make some money back if you go three of five, where if you're like DraftKings or FanDuel and you hit four or five, they say, thanks for playing, pal. We're taking your money. You know, it doesn't matter. But here, a much better way to sustain your bankroll, but still hit big ones and bank on the 10X with some of these. You could do a four-team or a four-prop power play, too, where you only pick four, but you have to hit all four to 10X. Uh, a lot of different ways to play. An insane menu of sports. If there's a sport out there, one that you've never even heard of, it's probably over at prize picks. You can mix and match all of them as well, which is really cool into the same lineup. So use the promo code awesome. When you sign up, get up to a hundred dollars, get up to a hundred dollars in a deposit, uh, a match deposit bonus. When you sign up using the promo code awesome, go to uh, awesome or uh, go to prizepicks.com. go to the app store, the Google play store, wherever it is, check it out. I think you will very much enjoy it. Matt, what do we got, man? I'm going to go with one for Thursday night football here. Usually hit with the main slate because that's what we're talking about here. But this one looked too good to pass up. So if you're listening on Thursday and you want to get in on this action on prize picks, I absolutely love the over for Taysom Hill's passing yards. I was doing some research as I was writing the showdown article that's on awesomeo.com right now. Really fun to write that without knowing Alvin Kamara's status until the moment I press submit to the editors. I digress. Taysom Hill had three games where he was a starting quarterback and he threw over 20 times in a game because there was one game where they played Denver. They started Kendall Hinton. That is not representative of what they want to do in a typical game. He averaged, Hill averaged 253 passing yards and 7.7 yards per attempt, while also adding 55 yards a game as a rusher in those spots. The prop is just wrong if he's going to be anywhere near there. 185.5 is, is his current prop on prize picks over all day on that. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. We have him projected at like 225 or something crazy over at Odd Shopper. I think that's conservative. Yeah. Joe Mixon over 81 and a half. I know that seems like a relatively high number, but give me that all day long, man. This is an awful defense. He's touched the ball. He's he's averaging 29 rushing attempts over his last two games. They're favorites at home. Great spot. Give me that. Throw them into a lineup. Pick ones that you like and uh, start making some money. Prizepicks.com. Use the promo code Awesome. Jordan, what's this poll? Best fast food place, In-N-Out, White Castle, Chick-fil-A, or other? I'm going Chick-fil-A. It's not going to win, though, but I'm going Chick-fil-A. Oh, it's – no, other. Other's coming up hot. Other's, other's crushing. Ooh. There are some good answers out there. There are some good answers out there, for sure. And then some, uh, it, you know, niche answers as well. Well, that's what I was going to say, like, because, because we all know what we're doing when we're getting fast food. We're all smart enough to know the junk food we're about to buy. Is there anything worse here. than someone being like, bro, you shouldn't eat fast food, it's bad for you. Hey, buddy, shut it, we know. Remember the, the yellow t-shirt blinking kid? Like, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's how we exactly. feel. Yeah, I know. Um, it, it, 
yeah, everyone's got a little sentimentality with their fast food these days. It, it means something when you're going to break the rules a little bit. So I get it. We have rituals, traditions. I love that. Me too. Yeah, stop telling me things I do are bad for me. I'm, I'm well aware, okay? I'm well aware. And I have the same internet be, you do, yes. Trying to be a better person. I cut out sugar. That's pretty good, right, for the most part. That was tough. Sugar's a sugar's addicting son of a bitch, Matt. Yeah, the, oh, it is. Drink the coffee black, you know. I, I mean, I, it's tough. T tough game, but I feel better, kind of, sometimes. I don't know. I'd like to think I do. <laughs> What do you think about Philly minus seven against the Jets? Jalen Hurts was limited. They were talking about maybe starting Garner Minshew. He's going to play. Jalen Hurts is going to play. It's a tough. He's a tough dude. He's playing. And he said he's going to play. But how about this backfield? Miles Sanders is trending in the right direction. It did appear, though, that last game he actually was limited in the second half because of that ankle injury, which makes me feel better. Because when a guy's averaging over seven yards per carry, you're like, eh, you know, we can do better. And Devonta Smith missed practice yesterday with an illness. This is a Thursday show if you're watching after the fact. So we're talking Wednesday. We don't have Thursday practice reports yet. Boston Scott missed with a non-COVID illness. And I don't think Jordan Howard, who still isn't practicing, is going to play with that knee injury because they have a bye week next week. So, Matt, I had to roll all that out there for you because there's a lot going on in this backfield and on this team in general as far as what's going to happen with these guys and will they play. Yeah, and we can quibble about what's going on with the, the Eagles. Are they going to be at full strength? But the bottom line is they're playing the Jets. And the Jets' defense is a different kind of bad. And I don't care about a one-game sample enough to sway from that opinion on the Jets here. In schedule-adjusted fantasy points, which just contextualizes a team's fantasy points allowed for the offenses that they've played, the Jets are on a different level, almost twice as bad in that metric against opposing offenses than every other team in the NFL. So uh, I think the Eagles really have to, really have to blow it here in order to not show up offensively. And I think Miles Sanders ha has a great chance to have a huge game. As you said, all his underlying metrics look really solid. It must be injury if his touches are being limited. Um, or Sirianni of, just hates him for some reason. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of drama with this team is actually what I was about to say here. You know, Jalen Rager is infuriating. Devonta Smith needs the ball more. These are things that if you're even close to Philly or, or reading into Philly media, these are things you already know. But the bottom line is the New York Jets are the kind of defense where if you need to work out your kinks as an offense, that is a great arena to do so. So... I think Philly takes it. I think they can win by over a touchdown easily. I'm going to play Hurts. His projection is right in line with salary-based expectation. And assuming Sanders is good to go too, that RB19 salary on DraftKings, 5,200? I mean, let's go. I'm, I'm into it. I think Devonta Smith is a fine tournament play. He's not going to be rostered by many people, but it's really about these rushers here, Hurts and Sanders, that look really appealing. Larry C. What's up, Larry? He says, Miles Sanders, why can't I stop rostering you? Well, you're preaching to the choir, fella, because Miles Sanders has given me some bad, bad weeks. But then the problem is, it's like, all right, well, I'm off of him. Oh, he's facing the Jets as a touchdown favorite? Shit. Oh, he's 5,200 and Boston Scott and Jordan Howard might be out? Ah, oh, what am I going to do? Probably play him. Probably play him. The only... 
Let me let me uh, just one caveat, and this is why I think I'll have less than I have in 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 recent, like yet less less than I had from last week, is because you do have Jamal Williams, you do have Antonio Gibson, probably no McKissick. I know I keep repeating this, but it's really important in 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 context to the whole slate. You do have a lot of really good low end running backs that are locked in to volume. So that's my only issue here is does Kenny Gainwell come in and get 10, 12 touches? I think Miles Sanders' ceiling is huge. His ownership's going to be way lower than those guys. But I'm also cognizant of the fact that there are some really good 5K running backs out there that could get, you know, 25 plus touches. Yeah, I I get it. It's a week with a lot of value at running back. That's awesome. He's playing the Jets. It's yeah. And and look, Sanders hasn't always been the super elusive tackle-breaking kind of running back. It's make one cut and go for him. So I get why they want to make sure they limit his touches until the angle is clear. But he's doing exactly that. If you look at breakaway run rate, the ability to turn a touch into 10 or more yards on the ground, his, eight point, his 8% rating is third amongst all running backs in the league. He's 16th yep. in yards per touch. So just give him the touches. I get exactly. Hurts helps the efficient efficiency of the rushing game overall. Just He just needs more volume. He's very similar to LeSean McCoy when he was in Philly. I mentioned this earlier in the week. You got to give him the ball, and if he picks up you know one or two yards for five straight, the next one he's going to break it off for 50. You know, like That's mm-hmm. just the way he is. He's Barry, not obviously comparing him to Barry Sanders, but in terms of the type of style, you have to keep feeding him the ball because they're going to break one. That's what he is, but I don't know if they will. So we'll see. Uh, Eric says his vision sucks. He's extremely inconsistent in the passing game and he runs out of bounds. Dude. Yeah. His, his football IQ is, has not really been up to par, but I have no problem with his vision. He's going to break him, And we've seen him do that on multiple occasions. It's just, do you want to take the low ownership or do you want to take the sure thing from a volume standpoint and other guys? I think there's good reasons for either of those. Uh, I'll close out Philly by saying this. I, I think Devonte Smith is actually the guy I like most here. Jet secondary is, is God awful. It's a potential squeaky wheel game here. Smith was really pissed off after last game. Jalen Rager, who has been essentially phased out of this offense, as a, he's basically just a special teamer, getting seven targets, force feeding in the ball, two targets in the end zone, one of which went off his helmet, and the other one went through his hands. Like He's the new Aguilar, maybe worse. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, Smith was pissed. He's the clear best playmaker on this team. The Jets secondary is awful. So I want to get a little bit of Smith, not a ton. You're not going to need a ton. He's going to come in very low ownership this week. He's a guy that I will have a little bit of, especially if this Eagles passing game picks it up a bit. But uh, I want some of Philly. I don't want a ton of Philly just because they're so, so volatile. Were you surprised to see that Devonta Smith's projection compared? I guess his salary is kind of high, 6,100. That's 15th among wide receivers. But he's playing the Jets. His projected ownership right now is under 4% on DraftKings. Kind of feels like he could have exactly what you said, that squeaky wheel game where he finally gets a ton yeah. of targets. That That's yeah. the hope, right? And and you did point out, that, what is he, 6,100 or so? 6,100, I think? Yeah. yeah. 6,100, he's not cheap. Uh, it's not a high-passing volume offense. They want to run the football, but... Uh, yeah, that's the thing. Like the volume needs to be there and maybe it won't be, but you don't need a lot of them, Matt. You get 10%. You're almost three X the field. I'm right. cool with that. You like anything from the jets? No, I mean, <laughs> the fact that Zach Wilson's probably leading it is it's bad. And the fact that the running back core 
now has Austin Walter to worry about. If you haven't heard that name, that's okay. He, I believe, only had had one touch before last week, but now all of a sudden he had 10.1 expected fantasy points if you roll up all of his usage last week, which is more than Tevin Coleman's expected fantasy points per game. That's more than Ty Johnson's expected fantasy points per game. So we now have a running back by committee on one of the worst offenses in the NFL, probably just to stay away. So if you want to take shots at Elijah Moore at 5,500, I don't mind that as like a run back option or Corey Davis to Jamison Crowder, not the worst plays in the world, but certainly not go to our projections right now, like Davis the most, if he's in at 4,900. Yeah. I'm good on this team. Honestly, I, I, yeah. I don't see the value there. And even with the loss last week, Philly's defense performed admirably despite many, many turnovers from Jalen hurts. So pass. I'm, I think you're right though, Davis or like Eli Elijah Moore, if you want to, but do you really need to? And I think the answer to that is no, you don't on a slate like this. Anyway. Yeah, hey, you if don't. you use the promo code for this show, NFL strategy show, all one word, all caps, you get 25% off the first week, everything on the site, football, basketball, hockey, MMA, PGA, NASCAR, you name it. NFL strategy show, all one word, all caps at awesome.com slash join. You get all of that 25% off all these tools built by Alex Baker himself, number one ranked DFS player out there. Phenomenal tools. You can get the fantasy cruncher add on as well. Check it out. I think you will enjoy it. You name it. We've got it. Uh, best tools you're going to find out there. And as you'll see in the hall of fame segment, I think many people out there would also agree. So check it out. Uh, awesome. slash join Jordan probably threw it up on the screen because this man knows how to do his job. All right, Matt, next up. We've got some of these we're going to start breezing through because the total starting mm-hmm. to drop considerably. Indy and Houston, Indy nine point favorites, 45 and a half point total. Talk to me about JT. What a beast. Let's go. I mean, just play him. Obviously, if you look at our uh, uh, boom bust tool, excuse me, his chance of being in the optimal lineup currently is less than his projected ownership. But we've already seen the ways that he can go against a great uh, a great defense, or at least one on paper, and destroy them anyway. He's getting to the point where you're fading him at your own risk. And uh, what else can you say? He's 9,200. That's the only part of this that's tough. Expected fantasy points, right in line with salary-based expectation. Projection, right in line with salary-based expectation. Fantasy points over expectation, 7.8 over expected per game over the last six six weeks is number one in the NFL. I'm not telling you anything you guys don't know. Jonathan Taylor is really, really good. And if he fits in your roster based on that 9,200 salary, please play him against Houston. Concise yet sensible. (laughs) Got to go there. Got to go there. I mean, you you don't have to go there in the sense that you have him in every lineup because he's very expensive, and there's so many good running backs. But if anyone wins a, a tournament, small field, large field, whatever, with Jonathan Taylor this week, you're going to look at it and go, hey, that makes sense. Yeah, sounds about yep. right. It's simple as that. 56 fantasy points against Buffalo is insane. 56. I'm not saying he does that again, but against Houston as almost double-digit favorites, He's just been remarkable. And since week four, Matt, obviously you know the answer to this. If I said, where does he rank uh, at his position in fantasy points? That's obvious, right? He's he's first. 
But when you start talking about where does everybody below him rank in terms of where that like how far behind them are they? It's, it's, it's not even close, man. I mean, take every skill position, tight end, wide receiver, running back. In PPR formats, Taylor has 254 fantasy points since week four. Austin Eckler's second with 187. Wow. I, can we just say, I, I know this is a DFS show. We have more matchups to, to get through, but this is one of the most egregious scouting mistakes that ever occurred. Why Jonathan Taylor didn't make his way up into the Saquon Barkley range of Great draft point. capital will always surprise me. I guess it's because he stayed in school for another year, but in terms of physical attributes, in terms of production on the field, he was the exact same player on him. Again, remember, the Chiefs had the 32nd pick that year, and they chose Clyde Edwards-Alaire over this beast. If that team had Jonathan Taylor instead, oh my God, what he would be producing. But just the fact that he's basically been this good over the course of the second half of the season, it's fade at your own risk, as I said. it's This is in my opinion, the best rusher in football right now. I guess Nick Chubb will have something to say about that, and Derrick Henry being out not, doesn't get to compete as well. But it's the only thing, again, is that's tough is salary here. And, you know, the fact that the passing game has woken up a little bit, but they're not moving away from Taylor in any type of game. Why script. would you? In this game, why would you? And I think, you know, the talk around town was he had so many carries at the collegiate level that mm -hmm. it scared people off. But you know what? Running backs have a short shelf life anyway. Run this guy into the ground while you have him. That's what you do. Run him into the ground. Give him 30 carries a week. Who cares? He's not going to be around forever anyway. And quite frankly, Derrick Henry hadn't been hurt at all, and he'd been carrying a ton of – some, some players are just built different. Adrian Peterson, maybe Jonathan Taylor is mm -hmm. one of them. Just keep playing him. You're spot on, man. I think Pittman's fine, but – I've mentioned this a lot. If you look at the game logs, his vol his passing volume or his, his target volume is very low in games where they don't need to throw the football. And last week he wasn't great, but he saw double digit targets once again, playing in a, you know, up tempo matchup against the Tampa Bay team that can score a lot of points. If you want to take some shots on Pittman, go for it. I think it's similar to like a Devonte Smith play though, right? Where you're hoping they get six, seven, eight targets and can punch two in the end zone, maybe break off a long one. I get it. I'm similar to him as I am on Devontae Smith, but I do for both of them worry about volume. Uh, and I think Indy's a better team than Philly, and they will probably be ahead in this game. So Jonathan Taylor's my guy. Yeah, I actually kind of agree with you. I do kind of like Pittman. On paper, he looks pretty solid. He's top 10 in our wide receiver projections right now. And so you would expect with a wide receiver 20 salary, 5,700, you're going to see the ownership start to creep up. And sure enough, we're seeing him with 10.7% projected ownership right now. That's seventh among all wide receivers. I think people are seeing this as a really good spot when I kind of value it as just a good spot. Pittman's been great. Pittman's been fine. But the variability, the volatility in his usage is enough to scare me away, especially when the ownership is getting really high. Uh, it's almost like what you said with Taylor, where if someone you know wins a bunch of money and I look at the top lineup and I see it had Pittman in there against the Texans, I'm not going to be super surprised, right. especially at the salary. But I don't think you need to get there in the way that there are some other really top value options at wide receiver this week. 
you know, it's going to happen. Some tournaments are going to be won with like Taylor and Pittman, not Wentz, but Taylor and Pittman, you know, those, but yeah, I'm, I'm it's still not a spot that I, that I'm loving right now. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, just a pure stud. And if you can run the ball to, if you can get him as many carries as possible, do it. Houston on the other side, I'm looking, well, first of all, you have to pay attention to Brandon cooks dealing with that illness. He should be fine. Same with David Johnson. But really, you're not playing David Johnson. You're not playing Rex Burkhead, even though they're getting carries uh, or, or opportunities. Cooks would really be the only guy here, and I don't think it's the craziest idea. But the Saints, or sorry, the Colts do look to have bolstered their pass defense at least a little bit lately. I just don't love Houston's offense this week. I think they get bludgeoned in Houston. Maybe there's something you're uh, intrigued by. Yeah, not really. Are you really game stacking this? You know, with three options from Indian Houston. I mean, I think that's a really a gutsy thing. You're certainly going to be unique that way, but it's Taylor or it's Cooks for me on the side of the ball. Taylor with his rushing upside is always someone I can uh, consider. It's not as good as a matchup of, as it was last week. And Cooks, obviously, at 5,900, he's playable at that salary range. He's top 12 in our projections currently. If I'm not doing that, I'm probably just avoiding this spot entirely or just using a super low salary off the wall option. You know, Brevin Jordan is 2,500 on DraftKings. And if you need to make, you know, some sort of lineup where you want to punt the position entirely, he's 21st in projection at, among tight ends and 32nd in salary. That's not exciting by any means, but it's a value technically. So I might go there or something like that. Hit that thumbs up for us. Where are we? 63? Appreciate you. Appreciate you. What do we got? 200 plus watching right now. You guys are the greatest. It's the marathon show. Hanging out, talking every game. You don't need to go anywhere else on the week if you don't need to. If you're busy, you got a family life. Maybe you've got a demanding career right now. Maybe you're in school. I don't know. And you can't sit around and watch all these shows every single day, although we love all of you to do. Right here, matchup show, baby. Just rip through it one day, whatever day it is, and you'll be set. Although there are some weird spots where we don't exactly know what the scenario is based on injuries. One of them, Matt, is Arizona, Chicago. Mm-hmm. You had Murray saying he's hopeful to play, and now Kingsbury or Kingsbury saying that. Now it's kind of like, oh, we'll see how they are throughout the week. Similar trend as we've seen before with him and Hopkins. But uh, James Conner, great spot regardless better if Murray plays. I don't even care if he has rushing upside. It's just a better offense. DeAndre Hopkins is super cheap. I worry that he might aggravate that, but if he's low on, maybe I'll get some sprinkles of him in there. What are you doing with Arizona? Obviously, if Kyler Murray plays, they're a viable option. Chicago's defense is not the same Chicago Bears defense that they were a couple years ago. If you think that they are They are, based on their reputation, they just aren't. They're basically league average in schedule-adjusted fantasy points to most positions here. So they're not really scaring me. And the betting lines kind of make me feel like they think that Kyler is going to play. I felt that way when he posted, what, he posted that, like, Thanos gif on his Twitter where he looked like he was sitting looking over his team. Maybe that was more over the fact that they're, still got the best record in the NFL while he's been ailing, which has to make them feel really, really good heading into this stretch run. So I do think that they can afford 
to sort of take their time, especially this week when they're playing a Chicago team who has not shown the ability to score many points. Maybe they feel like they can win with a game management style for at least one more week, get Tyler healthier, and then focus on the games later in the season. Right now, our projections have him in, and it doesn't look pretty at QB2 in salary. 7,500 is basically a stay-away option. Um, I could sprinkle in DeAndre Hopkins in tournaments because his projection is sort of right in line with that wide receiver 14 salary-based expectation, but there are certainly more exciting plays. Um, I, I I think it could be interesting if they come into the weekend with a questionable tag, which is going to tamper their ownership. It's going to, it's going to keep it low and then possibly taking a couple of shots at Murray Hopkins stacks. It's possible. It's just not something I have to get to. If I'm only playing a couple of lineups, our boy on Negro Loco said they missed practice again. I don't know if he's talking about, I know that I know yesterday, but I don't know about today. If that's today, um, that's not good. <clears throat> if they both miss yeah. practice today, that's 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 probably pointing them in the wrong direction on a Thursday practice for a Sunday game. So pay attention. I like James Conner, though. Perfectly reasonable option. Going to get all of the work in the backfield, particularly in the red zone at the goal line. Can't go wrong there. You can go wrong with a lot in Chicago, though. I, Mooney's been awesome, man. He's good. And, and Dalton loves getting him the rock. Fields is questionable, though. So we'll see what's going on there. I still don't think Allen Robinson is practicing. He's been out with that hammy for a while now. Uh, could be his third consecutive game that he misses or second, second. I don't know. Uh, I think it's the second, but I could be wrong. The weeks, they're all blending together. They are. I know Baltimore, week 11, Mooney was targeted 16 times. Right. Uh, but I don't know if Robinson left in game. It doesn't matter. What I know is, that Mooney has been very good with Dalton. Uh, of course, this is a, a, a tougher spot against Arizona, though. They'll probably need to throw. He crushed against Baltimore, though, on five receptions on 16 targets. I might, I might have a, I might dabble with Mooney if Robinson's out and Dalton is the starter, but that's about it. Yeah, exactly. And I'm impressed with Mooney, honestly. He's at 39 targets over his last four games. Uh, made a couple of key plays. He's now had over 120 yards receiving in two straight games. So in that regard, it feels almost like I missed the boat in that regard. But the ownership is still staying pretty low. Wide receiver 18 currently at 6.6% projected ownership. The projection is right in line with his 5,600 salary on DraftKings. He's been... You know, in expected fantasy points, he's been a pretty solid producer over the last six weeks. His 14.4 expected DraftKings fantasy points, that's 11th among all wide receivers. And as you would expect, he's performing above expectation during that same span. So I'm fine going there. I think I might actually like him better with Dalton at the helm than Fields. I don't know. Uh, We did see, we, we saw some flashes from Fields getting more efficient in the passing game, but I'm just not sure yet. You like Mooney more with, with Dalton? With Dalton. See, I saying definitely that it, do. Well, Dalton, it might be, Dalton might be a dark horse pick for becoming our next generation Ryan Fitzpatrick, where he's probably the 35th to 38th best quarterback in the league and he can do so for the next couple of years. But he just is going to degaff all over the place he's because he knows his time is, is, is short on that team. Yep, he is going to chuck. 
And at this point, why the hell not? So you know, I don't want to play him this week, but you know, Dalton on a, from a fantasy standpoint, hasn't even been bad in these two games that he's been out there since fields went down. One of them was only half of the game and he was solid. So I don't want to spend too much time there. Thoughts on, on Montgomery and then we'll move on to the next one. Uh, if he gets the volume that we expect him to, you can definitely play him at 5,600. This is the just above the value running back tier. So I think it might keep the ownership relatively low compared to his chance of hitting his salary-based expectation. I think he's fine. Um, clearly, they want to go with Montgomery there. And Khalil Herbert is an afterthought over these last few weeks. Yeah, he's done. He's done. Montgomery's back in. Struggling, but back in. New York Giants, Miami, last of the 1 p.m. games, lowest total by a wide margin, 40 and a half. I mean, my God, what an ugly one this is. But we talk about them all here, Matt, on the Marathon Show. Danny Jones, questionable. Now he has a chance to play. My guess is, is he doesn't, personally. Kadarius Tony, Sterling Shepard, still not practicing yesterday, as of yesterday either. So, I mean, it's very simple for me. I don't want to get to anything involving the New York Giants. I do want to get to some Miami Dolphins defense, and that is my analysis. Yeah, you can play the defense that's facing Mike Glennon. I think yep. that is very fair analysis. Even if they if face Daniel, Daniel Jones, Jones, I don't like that. That defensive yeah. line right now looks very good, man. The offensive line, pass blocking, run blocking, everything for the Giants is not very good. But sorry, go ahead. No, you're right. They're so far in all phases of the game, which is just terrible to think about. I finally, I saw that finally they're going to let go of Dave Gettleman. I think, uh, I just think he's one of the worst GMs in the league. I digress. Saquon Barkley has the talent to break multiple big plays in any game he plays, but I just think this offense is putting everything against that happening. There's no one available, it looks like. Sterling Shepard looks like he's trending towards out. Kadarius Toney trending towards out. If Daniel Jones completes that trifecta of inactive players, just play all the Miami defense. You don't have to have any runbacks if you stack up players. This is this is a disgusting excuse for a football team if they don't have Jones in. <laughs> That's awesome. What do you want to say? No, you're not. I mean, it's not even a, a hyperbolic comment. It's just facts, Matt. Spitting facts over there, bro. I hear you. It was funny, though. Usually you don't get fired up like that. Usually you're a pretty respectful guy. You leave all of the, the shaming and name calling to me to take all the heat. But I, I am from, I'm, you know, I live in New York. So I guess there is a little bias showing, but with like nobody, it. no playmakers, just. I'm done with Evan Ingram, too. Yeah, I like. Oh, El Negro Logan said he read it wrong. It's Murray and Hopkins were at practice today. So, okay. That's a pretty big development. Keep that in mind. Listen, we got a four-hour live stream on Sunday leading up to lock. We got you covered. We got shows tomorrow. We got On the Contrary uh, with, I think we got Ian Harditz tomorrow. Amazing. At, I, he's really one of the best analysts out there. I don't, I don't usually compliment people. Like that, he, he he knows he's he's very good, man. He's very good, and I can't wait to have him back on a second time for the year. So check that out. Join us. That's awesome. Alex Baker, awesome himself, Ian, myself. It'll be a great show for sure. Uh, we got a lot going. I appreciate how fast Ian talks. That's that's my speed. Yeah, man. Yeah, he can rip through some some analysis. 
Benny says, notice no one ever over 40 is on these shows because they'd have to be taking a leak all the time. Tell you what, man, if I'm still doing this six years from now, we'll find man, out. <laughs> I'll be like that, that lady that got kicked out of Disney World for pissing in a cup. What? You remember that story? Jesus. Yeah. No. Yeah. She's like, I'm a teacher, though. So she said, okay, get out. I don't know. Might have been Disneyland. But yeah, I'll be that guy, Matt. Hey, do you think right now, staring at the other side of this game for Miami, Devontae Parker practicing, by the way, do you think there are any spots worth getting to, whether it's Gaskin, Waddle, Parker? And I will leave you with this before I turn over the mic. Over the last two weeks, really, Miami looks better than that. Looks good for several weeks now. But over the last two weeks, Tua Tagovailoa has been very accurate. But he's attempted one pass over 20 yards. This is not a mm -hmm. team right now that is looking to be explosive. They're looking to lean on their defense methodically move the ball downfield on offense. That's the only thing that doesn't excite me, even though Waddle's been good and Tua has been efficient. Do you get those blow up games from Miami? I don't think so. And this game's got a ugly total at 40 and a half. Super low total. It, the total tells you that you do not need to prioritize this game, but obviously this is the better side of this matchup. If you're going to target anyone, it's going to be Dolphins players. You know, I really think the fact that they're not taking deep shots is more about the fact that they don't have Will Fuller and they don't have Devontae Parker on the field, who they would prefer to be that deep that deep target. Waddle was always supposed to be the player soaking up all these underneath targets, and that's exactly what he's doing. So when you're talking about double-digit target upside every week for Waddle, he's my favorite player in this, back, uh, in this uh, offensive core here. The projection is really really solid compared to his 6400 salary his expected fantasy points 15.5 expected fantasy uh, DraftKings fantasy points per game over the last six weeks that's ninth among all wide receivers he looks like a really solid value and then I was shocked to see that Miles Gaskin is fourth in expected fantasy points in the games that he's played over the last six weeks so when you talk about a 5,800 player, we have all these players, these running backs in this 6K and below range that might actually help spread out the ownership a little bit, but there's really no ownership coalescing around Gaskin. I know the matchup and the salary isn't quite as good as these other players, but man, I think the volume should be there and, and the projection looks okay too. I'll definitely get there in tournaments. Okay. The thing with Gaskin is he's just not very good. But yeah. if the volume is there, then I can see it at that ownership. Like Sanders at similar ownership to Gaskin is someone I would still rather have Sanders just because I think that explosive upside is lies more within Sanders than Gaskin. But both of them kind of scare me. But I hear what you're saying. He's not getting owned at all because there's so many other 5K backs in great spots. I mean, he's he's ninth in points per game among running backs on the slate. Not bad. Um, not bad. Yeah. Not bad. Washington, Las Vegas. Let's move to the 4 p.m. games, Matt. You've got J.D. McKissick. He hurt that neck. Kind of scary injury. Got carted off the field. Teammates did say he was walking around in the locker room after the game, which is encouraging, but he's not practicing. I don't have the Thursday practice report yet, but if we get it, 
we'll let you know. I don't anticipate him playing, at least not right now. And then you've got uh, Antonio Gibson with just absurd touch counts recently. Uh, three weeks ago, 24 carries, six tar- or two targets, then 19 carries against Carolina, then 29 uh, carries and seven targets last game. More, He started getting peppered after McKissick went down. The volume is huge here. He's mispriced. I don't think there's any argument about that right now. Antonio Gibson is mispriced, but they couldn't preemptively price him up because of McKissick since it was a Monday night game and salaries already came out. So it's a spot I'll likely be taking advantage of. Yeah, well said. I mean, that's really the bottom line. McKissick was the reason Gibson is has not been a bell cow running back. The receiving targets haven't been there. And you know what? As I was watching that game on Monday night against Seattle, McKissick all, often comes in for designed plays for him in the red zone as well. So if you take that away from the Washington offense and that all goes to Gibson, he is a smash play at 5,700. I don't even really care that the Las Vegas Raiders defense has gotten a little bit worse to the point where they're now a bottom five defense in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. But the fact that they are that bad makes it even better. So he might end up being one of my favorites. He already, in our latest ownership projection run, he's already starting to creep up to that 15% range. And I think it's going to get higher if McKissick ultimately gets ruled out here. I kind of like targeting this game. Decently high total that if you told me that this was the game that went the highest over its Vegas total, would not be surprised at all at, the, at this point. Um, and Gibson, he, along with McLaurin, by far my favorite options on the Washington side. Absolutely. This game has real shootout vibes for sure. Mm-hmm. At the same time, who knows, because the Raiders are one of the, the least – they're so tough. It's so tough to know where they're, what they're going to do from week to week. You know, it looked like they were, they were caving in upon themselves, Matt. And then they go into Dallas on Thanksgiving and drop like 36 points or whatever it was at 31 points, 33 and get the win. So I don't know, but mm-hmm. I don't really want to get to Josh Jacobs. Maybe, maybe we'll see where you're at there. I can't tell by your facial expression. Darren Waller <laughs> is not going to play. Henry Ruggs is gone. Uh, Brian Edwards is doing nothing but running wind sprints. So that leaves you with like Zay Jones and it leaves you with Hunter Renfro and Hunter Renfro has been a steady eight, nine target per game guy. Take Waller out of the mix. He's probably going to be involved even more. That's, that's the obvious answer here. I'm not in love with anyone from the Raiders, but I do think Renfro gets a lot of opportunity and he's second in red zone uh, targets behind Waller only one behind him this year. I think it's 13 to 12. And you take Waller off the field, Renfro is going to be involved down close to the goal line as well. Yeah, we're already projecting things like Waller is going to be out, making Renfro the obvious value play on DraftKings right now. We have a super high projection. I I think it might be overly bullish right now. Uh, At 5,800, we actually have him projected as the third highest wide receiver in our median projections right now. So... Uh, even in our boom bust tool, he's in the optimal lineup. Again, this is Thursday if you're listening to this later in the week, but he's in the optimal lineup over 20% of the time. So that's obviously the smash spot of this lineup. But I'm really surprised to see some of these auxiliary options. Not, uh, not We're not bullish on them in our projections. Uh, one thing I was noticing, I was over on Odd Shopper and looking at our player props tool to try to compare it. And Kenyon Drake 
has a receiving yards prop of around 15.5 yards. I was kind of thinking, okay, well, they're down Darren Waller. They've got these short targets opening up. Maybe we want to go over on something like that. We've got a 67% expected win rate on the under for that modest 15.5 receiving yards. So I found that really, really surprising. That means that the only thing that's intriguing to me about that, that spot for Drake is really the salary being middling. I don't think I'm going to go there ultimately. It's Renfro, and then maybe I'll end up getting a little bit of these, uh, maybe Deshaun Jackson at 4,200 or Zay Jones at 3,200 who's coming on if I really want to play a tournament, like if I'm trying to late swap and get someone who's going to be low-owned compared to some, some of the more chalkier options. Favorite plays from this Raiders side? It's Renfro all the way. And then yeah. you've got to do Josh Jacobs. If they if they control from start to finish, then you could see Josh Jacobs finally getting the workload needed to pay off at 6K. I think so, too. All right. So we've got how many games left? Three games to go. <clears throat> Let's shout out all our people. All of our newest Hall of Fame inductees. What am I talking about? I'll tell you. The Hall of Fame segment, we do it every day. If you finish top three in a field of 5,000 or more on DraftKings, FanDuel, Yahoo, it doesn't matter where. Could be the quarter arcade, the nickel, the dime, the millimaker, maker, doesn't matter. Uh, you will not only get a free month of Awesome Up Plus Platinum, $90 value, but we'll feature you here. We'll shout you out. If you tweet us at awesome H O F on Twitter, of course, include Matt at, at draftaholic myself at Lafayette underscore D. Cause we, uh, we love this stuff and we want to see you guys win. You get all that love and embrace over on Twitter, the retweets, the likes, the, how do you keep doing this? And then you get inducted into the hall of fame here and you get the free month. It's a win, win, win. So let's say hello to see, uh, what is he BL? Is it blocks me? I'm not sure. Anyway, Third place, $150. All I do is listen to you guys and have not even used tools yet. And this shit happened. Need to make a theme song to those fire beats. Good stuff, man. Uh, I love seeing this stuff, especially when the win is almost equ equivalent to the, the value of the month. You know that that's super useful to people. And now you got the tools for free, brother. So uh, congrats. That's nice. I love seeing that. Eric. You still have the avatar. Oh, I'm not winning this. Or I'm not reading this. Uh, it's basically just a question. Still rocking the avatar. Top of the leader. Okay, well, that's cool. I'll read this. Couldn't have done it without all the great info. Appreciate y'all. That's awesome, Eric. $4,000. Huge. First place in the NBA contest. Dre Bev. Most lineups I've ever cashed in at Awesome Hall of Fame. That makes me happy. Second place as well. Collect your free month, brother. Corey. Played four lineups in the night slate at work and hit first and second on the single entry. Let's go. Damn, $81 in the 5,200. Matt, you love to see it. Boom. That's awesome. I love Absolutely it. love to see it. Uh, and then to close this one out, Jordan Weber, big hit last night. Appreciate all the help. $1,000 third place. Congrats, man. To all of you, welcome to the Hall of Fame. Twitter, hit us up, awesomeo, H-O-F. Download the avatar at awesomeo.com slash avatar. And, uh, Start playing, start winning, and uh, we'll hit you up right here. Shout you out. And of course, get that free month of Awesome Up Plus Platinum. All right, home stretch, Matt. Jacksonville and the LA Rams, 47.5 point total. Jags getting 12.5 on the road. James Robinson looks like he's a little banged up still, but he's going to play. 
once again, this feels like a full fade in this offense for me, unless you've got something I've overlooked. With the Jacksonville offense, especially if James Robinson doesn't play, there's just so little to like, even if he does. Uh, it's, I think Urban Meyer, I know there was some tweet that says Urban Meyer remains committed to the team. I guess it's because of all the college football openings and changing of changing of the guard there. But I think he's such a subpar coach and he's squandered Trevor Lawrence's first year and there hasn't been much progression at all. Um, no one in this offense is getting more than seven or eight targets in a game. And especially if James Robinson is limited in any capacity, we may see no player on this offense get enough volume to really be viable. They're going to have to basically fall into the end zone twice. Robinson isn't unplayable currently, assuming we're in. But like we talked about this whole show, we have so many options below 6K at the running back position. I'm going to have no problem finding two or three of them for any particular DraftKings lineup. I don't see a need to get to such a heavy underdog road running back just because I think he's. it's possible he could be efficient here. Marvin Jones is the only one I'd consider in the passing game. I know our projections still are bullish on LaVishka Chenault, but they clearly don't want him to really succeed in this offense. And now Dan Arnold's out too, so... Uh, it's a mess. It's a mess. I guess James O'Shaughnessy at 2,600 on DraftKings is that punt tight end you need in your life. He's fine. You don't, you don't need him in your life, Matt. <laughs> Come on now. But I know what you're saying. Like um, you can play. Like he's the most playable if you compare his projection to South. Fair enough. Fair enough. If you guys uh, are playing the showdown site tonight, our NFL showdown top plays tool is amazing. You know, simulates everything, runs a ton of simulations, give you the likelihood, the, the probability that someone's going to be the top overall score, that they're going to be the optimal captain, uh, the optimal utility play. These are the tools that you need when playing these, these large field tournaments. Uh, and it's free today on the site. You don't have to sign up, anything like that. The ownership's included in that tool, though. So go in the NFL drop down and check that out if you haven't. NBA player rankings free, NHL top stacks are free, all of that good stuff free today over at awesome.com the rams daryl henderson's really intriguing to me if he plays and isn't limited because people are going to look at him and go eh, i think he's priced fine it makes sense he hasn't been good lately well they've gotten smoked against tennessee they get smoked against san francisco and that game may have only been decided against green bay by eight points but it was never competitive he in, the, in a game like this could easily get back to seeing a lot of opportunities and i think it's a perfectly good spot for henderson Obviously, Cooper Cup's in a great spot. Van Jefferson, if Odell Beckham plays with that hit pointer, keep an eye on that. He's viable, too. Uh, all of these guys are 100% in play. They could route them. And while Stafford's playing beat up, this is a perfect get-right spot for him. So, yeah, I like – I'd say I'm bullish on a team that's uh, almost a touch, two-touchdown favorite with a 30-plus point implied total. Yeah, this better be the get-right spot for Los Angeles, who has been on the skids lately, losing to Tennessee, then San Francisco, and then coming out of the bye pretty flat, at least for the first half against Green Bay, losing 36-28. to 28. So they need to get things right here. And uh, if, if they have a game like the Bills had against the Jaguars earlier this year, it's going to be full panic mode for this offense. I was getting excited about revving up Odell Beckham here. But, yeah, we got to watch out here. You know, he had that long touchdown. So did Van Jefferson. 
these auxiliary options are going to be asked to do more with Robert Woods out for the year. That doesn't take away from the fact that Cooper Cup is still the top projected uh, wide receiver on the entire slate. You can absolutely play him even at 9K. And Daryl Henderson is in a smash spot that others are seeing. His ownership's already creeping up to that 17% range. But we're looking at the boom bust tool. He's in the optimal lineup over 15% of the time. So he's in the you can play him range as well in such a good spot. And in the afternoon, I kind of like getting to these these players a lot, especially if I I have a lineup with uh, a bunch of Rams and a couple of maybe like Las Vegas Raiders. Then I have a lot of uh, space in my lineup for these afternoon games. And then I can get weird with my earlier plays. So I already know what's going on. If I need to switch off and late swap, I can always do that. For sure. Hey, I have no interest in running it back, though. I'll be honest with you. I'm fine with just projecting this to be a route. Top stack tool, 26% top stack probability. It's the highest on the slate by over 10%. Uh, 18.7% leverage score here. That's crazy. Is it that high? Holy moly. Yeah. A lot of positive leverage for this team. So... I'm getting to the rant and and people are probably worried that they go to the ground, all of that. Yeah, totally makes sense. And it's not a crazy thought whatsoever, but at the same time, I think we would have assumed the same uh, against Detroit who made it competitive. Matthew Stafford crushed in that game Uh, against the New York giants who were double digit dogs. They smoked them. We're up by 30 plus points and Stafford and company still finished with big games. So when you look at it, yeah, they're still going to put up big numbers per, through the air as well, even if that's the case. And correct me if I'm wrong, Matt, but I think our matchup adjusted run play percentage has the Rams towards the bottom this year. I could be wrong. Yeah, they dead are. Last. They are dead last. They or as we could say, top in adjusted pass percentage. Yes, right. So they want to and are going to throw the football, even if they're in neutral game scripts or positive game scripts. That's nice. I like that. I will go to the Rams this week. Two games left to go. What do we have next? San Francisco and Seattle. Debo's going to miss this one. What do you think of Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle? I mean, they got to throw at some point, and they got to throw to somebody. So it's got to be Kittle is your first option here. 5,900. He's super playable, in my opinion. His projection is ahead of salary-based expectations. He is in the optimal lineup 17% of the time. So then you're looking at a projected ownership of 8%. He's a smash. He's a smash for me. The highest leverage score uh, for any top play, really, on this slate. So I think Kittle is an obvious great play. Ayuk has projections that's that are just slightly ahead of salary-based expectation. And expected fantasy points, his 10.2 expected DraftKings fantasy points is still still pretty bad compared to his wide receiver 22 salary. Our projections like him enough that I'll put him on my you can play him list, but I think he's far behind Kittle. And I'm really hoping that Eli Mitchell comes back strong here because I think he could have a huge game as well. Um I the Seattle defense is not one that scares me at all. They are sixth worst in the NFL in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing offenses. And they're a little bit easier to attack on the ground. And we know what Kyle Shanahan can do with basically any talented player that he hands off to. I mean, I'd love to see what he had the way he's just 
created a new rushing role for Debo Samuel. I'm annoyed I won't get to see it this week, but super creative play calling. Eli Mitchell has, you know, back-to-back 27 rush games. And the the most intriguing thing about him is that he has been featured now in the passing game. Through his first five games, because he missed some spots, he was targeted a total of four times. He has 11 targets over his last three games. And the only one where he wasn't targeted uh, against the Rams was because they were crushing them throughout the entirety of that day or night, I should say. The volume has been absurd, truly absurd recently with Eli Mitchell. And no matter what, if he gets hurt, and we've seen it happen twice now, and you think, oh, here comes Shanahan with the shenanigans. Sermon's going to be the guy or Hasty or, 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 or Jeff Wilson. Nope. Right back, right back to Mitchell. The only, the only thing I would say, though, is if Jermichael Hasty does play, does he come in and start siphoning off that passing down work again? It's possible. But, uh, man, with how bad Seattle's offense has been, it might be another week where you've got San Francisco being able to just throttle teams, specifically Seattle, on the ground with Mitchell getting a lot of work once again. Well, let's talk about those game-adjusted rush rates again, like we did with this last matchup with the Rams. They were Dead last in game script adjusted rush rate, the 49ers are first. They love to run no matter what, and they have a below average pace. Now, we saw last week when they play good teams, they could, they are still shootout potential in these matchups. And I like to think there's still shootout potential in games that Russell Wilson and Seattle play in, but Eli Mitchell is going to get fed in this game. That's my prediction. He's got to. He's got to. Do you, do you like anybody else here? Um, you know, I guess we've seen Juwan Jennings get a little bit more run, uh, and he's got 3% projected ownership. His projection is well ahead of his 3,100 salary based expectation. That's kind of the only player we didn't hit on. Like, are you really going to Kyle Juszczyk? I have no faith in Jeff Wilson at this point, uh, especially if Jamichael Hasty plays and, I guess the only other player on the 49ers I might go to is the 49ers defense who we can bet on Seattle underperforming once again. Yeah. And if that's the case, who do we want to go to with this team? Like I know Matt and Ben, two sharp fellas, you know, Gajeski, sorry. And, uh, and Ben Rasa are on your, you, you too. I, I, I wasn't saying you aren't sharp. I was saying <laughs> they both. Two uh, of the sharper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, we have. they're both like they want, they're having a tough time not going to Seattle because it's just, you know, the GPP mindset. Mm-hmm. And eventually you would think if Russell Wilson is dealing with that thumb, it's going to get better at some point or sorry, the finger, but it's looked so bad lately. The run game is completely anemic. It's just, it's non-existent. Uh, Gerald Everett is the one that leads the team in targets since Russell Wilson has returned and in receptions. So, you know, I don't know, Co- color me a skeptic, Matt, but I, I'm not feeling great about this team. Yeah, and, and, you know, I totally understand why they're going there, right? Because now the ownership is so low that if you just, if you look, if you take our projection, or excuse me, our ownership projections currently, we have Wilson projected for 2.3% ownership on DraftKings. And of the two big wide receivers, we have Lockett projected for more ownership, currently at 8.6%. You multiply those two together, that's 0.1% on average is going to have a stack 
of Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. And we just saw them connect on multiple big plays on Monday night. So now, exactly what you said, it's the GPP mindset, where if we're going to get that and no one else in the field is going to be there, okay, now I can take some shots. But it doesn't look great in terms of on-paper matchup. The 49ers defense is above average. Actually, they're third best in the NFL right now in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed. That's tougher for opposing offenses. So, yes, I see what they see, but... Just looking at median projection, this doesn't really look that pretty for any of the big Seattle Seahawks players. Yeah, pass. There's just <laughs> so many great spots on this slate. Do I need to run that risk? Like, I can get the low-owned guys pretty much anywhere that <clears throat> are actually on offenses right now, Matt, that are somewhat competent. You know what I mean? I feel a little bit better. You know, I watched that game back from Monday night and I did see them taking shots and they've actually taken multiple deep shots in each game and at least Lockett and Wilson connected a couple times. You know, maybe it is sort of like hitting a free throw a little bit. Like once you see it go in, you can kind of figure things out, but I'm not super excited about this offense going forward. At least, at least the way I see it right now. Yeah, I was surprised that Wilson's A dot is like two and a half yards higher since he returned than it was before he got hurt. Just no efficiency whatsoever. Baltimore. Yeah, Baltimore, baby. And Pittsburgh closing it out. Uh, Second lowest total on the slate here. You've got Lamar Jackson, who is not playing particularly well right now. Four interceptions in that last game. Who did they face? Was it Cincy? No, it wasn't Cincinnati. Yeah, the Cleveland. Cleveland. Cleveland, thank you. Yeah, same division. And someone earlier said, yeah, imagine being in, imagine being like Houston or Jacksonville and having to face Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor twice a year each. That's an old, <laughs> I was from earlier, but it just made me think of, I see it. That, that's got to suck, man. And at least they brutal, got, brutal. Yeah, they got Rex Burkhead in Houston, though. So they're straight. Do they're good think, to go. Danny Amendola and Rex. Yeah, man. Yes, yes. Do you like anything from Baltimore this week? Yeah. I mean, we know what the potential is for this Baltimore offense. Yes, Lamar Jackson did not look very good at all. But if you look at expected fantasy points, those rushing, those rushing, that rushing volume matters. I'll say it that way because he has 26.4 expected DraftKings fantasy points. Unsurprisingly, that's number one among all quarterbacks on the slate. Here is what's surprising. Minus five fantasy points below expectation per game over the last six weeks. He's still second on the slate in points per game among quarterbacks. So he's playing poorly for Lamar Jackson, but he's not playing poorly for quarterbacks. He's quarterback one in our projections, which means quarterback one in salary is absolutely fine to play him in this low total game. I'm fine going there. He's certainly my favorite rusher because he basically takes up 50% of the red zone rushing attempts as well on this team. So, yes, the the way to stop Lamar Jackson has been shown. There's a blueprint there. The Cleveland defense did okay with it. Well, guess what? Baltimore came up with a win anyway. So they're fine winning sloppy. That's the way that this goes wrong. They still have that 34-point uh, game that they had against Minnesota in Week 9 in their range of outcomes here. They've actually had over 30 points three times since Week 5. So we know it's certainly there for them. I'm going to get to Marquise Brown. I'm going to be getting to Mark Andrews. 
Uh, if you make me decide between the two, it's probably going to be Andrews. Um, our projections don't love them, but I think I think the Pittsburgh defense is much worse than people think it is compared to last year. Well, their run defense has been brutal too lately. Absolutely. I think brutal. they're going to overcompensate. Yeah. It, it, their run defense has been atrocious lately. They've coughed up 198 rushing yards to Cincy last week, 159 to the Chargers, 229 to the Lions, 136 to the Chicago Bears. That's just over the last four weeks. That's it. Bad stuff. Yeah. They are now below average in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed while being that excuse me after being neck and neck for the top team in the nfl they've got injuries galore um i know they're getting a little bit healthier in the secondary which is probably why our projections don't love brown andrews or bateman but that just kind of brings me back around to lamar jackson he can hit both or either way as a rusher as a passer or that ceiling game where he does both yeah for sure hey let's close it out with uh with Pittsburgh. And for those of you that have stuck with us this whole time, we are, you've almost made it through the marathon matchup show. Give yourself a prize. Go to, I don't know, treat yourself with some in and out or white castle, go somewhere and get unhealthy because you deserve it. You sat here living this sedentary lifestyle with Matt and myself for two hours. Now go stuff your face with some burgers and Hey, help us get to hundred likes. We are two, two away. We're almost there. Two away. No, three away, three away from, forgot how to add for a second three away from 100 matt maybe it's an unpopular opinion here but uh with pittsburgh i'm like i'm trying just to be more selective with spots this this week and this year really and there are some mm-hmm. like deontay johnson's getting a lot of targets but ben's dealing with a shoulder injury he's dealing with like a back and he's dealing with <clears throat> sorry i've done so many shows a lot of talking today done he's he's banged up he looks awful and the one thing you can rely on with deandre johnson is a lot of targets but the touchdown equity isn't there as it is with other teams it's a pretty decent baltimore defense a low total if i'm getting to anyone it's deandre johnson i really don't feel like relying on Najee to get 85 yards on 25 carries and have to produce everything either at the goal line which he might not get to or in the passing game chase claypool's banged up again and he relies on an accurate deep ball. Friar moves back from the concussion. I think he'll be fine, but he's okay, I guess. I just, I don't know, man. I don't get excited about this team with Roethlisberger at the helm. Yeah, it's hard to get excited. And the fact that they're in a divisional matchup, these teams know each other very well. The variability of these divisional games particularly in December going forward for the rest of the season, it gets higher because it, it's similar to like the third time through the lineup for a starting pitcher. These teams know each other well, but that sometimes leads them to overcompensating, as I was sort of mentioning previously. I don't think that there is a huge ceiling game in any of these players' range of outcomes. Deontay Johnson, though, is that one player who I might differ because 13 targets, you can do a whole lot on an NFL field with 13 targets. And remember when drops were an issue for Deontay Johnson. I believe yeah, he has he got zero drops. The bills for it. I believe he has zero drops this year. So there's another one in the long list of drops not being his drop rate is 2.8 percent, 0.3 drops per game. Right, make sure I get that right. But 
when you're going to get 13 targets, I'm very interested in playing you at 6,800, especially in cash games. I think what you said about touchdown equity, about ceiling upside, changes my calculus a little bit when we're talking about GPPs and ceiling games and the fact that he's wide receiver four in our projected ownership, over 11%, maybe even 12% by, we hit, by the time he hits Sunday in ownership. I'll probably only play him as like a one-off where I feel like I'm getting a lot. Maybe I'll want a low salary wide receiver one, and I hope for another 13 target game from Johnson. Claypool is the interesting one to me. I know our projections don't love him, but no one is going to play him. We know he's a deep threat in this offense. And if Fryermuth is still kind of injured, Claypool's he's got fine. 14 he, and a, just can yeah. I? I'm, he's yeah. He was a full participant yesterday. He just hasn't been completely cleared yet. But I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be. And it was a concussion, so. I just to throw it out, I think he'll be fine. So he's got that independent neurologist step he's got to probably take. But But that sounds like he's going to play. I'm assuming with four four days to go, he should be okay. Okay, then he's definitely in my player pool too. At 4,200, you can definitely play him. Uh, Claypool is the only one of this big three, though, that has a positive leverage score. Najee kind of is right at zero. So in GPPs, I'm going to Najee because no one else is going to feel the need to play a 7,700 running back on the lowest total game in the afternoon. And I'm going to Claypool because of that positive leverage score. Okay. Yes. You and I have slightly different opinions here. I can get on board with Deontay Johnson. I just had, I Roethlisberger looks so bad lately that I, if I don't have to get here, I won't is what I'm saying. Anyway, Matt, we made it. We made it. We made it, bud. This was a good one. I I might have to take you up on that fast food offer, man. I'm doing it. I mean, I wasn't joking. I'm I'm heading out. (laughs) I don't have anything good in the house. Suppose I could order something, but that's going to take a while to get it delivered. Now I just have to decide on what I'm going to get. What are you thinking? Now, I remember I'm in New York City, so I may head to a corner a corner store and get a fancy okay. sandwich but that's smart that's I fast food around here around here i'm in the suburbs but we got some decent spots i don't know we'll figure it out i hope you guys had a good time i did matt did and thanks as always for uh for hanging with us cold beer the difference between a gpp and a cash game is a, a, a gpp's guaranteed prize pools it doesn't have to fill uh generally only around 20 percent of the field caches uh and a cash game is you know, a head-to-head or, or a 50-50 where half of the field gets paid out. So it doubles their money. Or, well, minus mm-hmm. rate. Thanks, Larry. All you guys for hanging out. This has been fun. Can't do it without you. Hit that thumbs up on yeah. your way out. Subscribe to the channel. Follow Matt at Draftaholic. Me at Lafayette underscore D. L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. And, of course, shout out to Jordan Klein, the great producer at awesome.com. One day we shall see his face. He's like the great and powerful Oz behind the scenes. <laughs> Coming up. We'll see you guys. Peace. See you.